my parents explained even at a young age why they did things. And like to us, it seemed like the most ludicrous, ridiculous reasons. And we didn't want to hear it. We didn't care. But my mom, especially, I mean, my dad too, but my mom, especially would just over and over and over and over again, would explain to us why they would do stuff and explain like, Hey, we're disciplining you because we love you. We're disciplining you because discipline, this is what it will do for you long-term. And I think having that understanding of why checks and balances and discipline and things were important and that actions have consequences and understanding the why behind it played a huge role. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and you know what day it is. It's an interview day, which means we have another really cool interview for you here today. I'm actually excited about this one. I say that a lot. I, I get excited about all the interviews that we do because as you know, I, I only interview really cool people. Um, but uh, the reason I'm, I'm excited about this one specifically is my next guest is someone that I've known for several years, and I've actually kind of got to watch him grow along with my growth. And he's someone that's, uh, I would say, I don't know, maybe two or three steps ahead of where I'm at. Um, and we run similar businesses, or I should say businesses in the same industry. I think they're, they're different models. Um, but this, my next guest here is someone that has a lot of understanding about life more than just business and that there's depth to life and that there's more to business than just making money. And uh, so I want to bring him on here. He's someone that has coached over seven or is it eight now funnels over a million dollars? Eight now. Eight now, eight funnels over a million dollars. So he has a very good understanding of what makes people buy, what makes people do certain things. He has an incredible backstory of from being homeless to to going on and helping people make millions of dollars. Um, And someone that is just, he brings a very interesting perspective to life. So I want to welcome Akbar Sheik to the program, man. Thank you so much for being here. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate all the uh, all the patience. Yeah, man. Of course. How you been, man? I'm doing well. I just had uh, my birthday. Just did um, my biggest launch ever. That was really cool. Um, so I've been tripping on that a little bit. Um, it's interesting, though. I mean, yeah, I really enjoyed. So I got this interview. It's actually taking place at an interesting time, man. It's like I'm, I'm pivoting a little bit. You know, what I'm saying in my own business, and I think I've never been happier in the direction I'm going to. I, I think, I think now, I think right this moment, I've I've had the most clarity I've ever had. Uh, in the direction of my business. Um, so yeah, man, you caught me, you caught me on a good day. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Hey, would you do me a huge favor? Just turn your gain down just a little bit on that mic. Yeah, just a sure. little loud, just a, just a little bit. How's that? That's much better. Okay. So it's a little, okay. little loud. That's better. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. You just had your birthday, man. Happy birthday. How old are you? Like 28, 29? <laughs> <laughs> old enough to rent the car. Yeah. <laughs> just old enough to rent a car. Yeah. But dude, you did something crazy for your birthday. Like, I don't even know. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. How did you do that? Because you did an offer, and for those of you, for those people that don't know, 
you, you do coaching, right? In the, the funnel marketing space online. Well, the offer, the offer is to help experts launch a, a thriving uh, coaching business. Okay. So uh, launch a thriving coaching business. That's awesome. So how, cause you just did something. I don't even know how you're covering your costs, dude. What was the, what was the logic behind what you just did there? I know. I mean, it's, 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 it's absolutely profitable. Um, see, well, what do you mean by that? So, so, okay. So the thing is, I, I really just made an irresistible offer right at the end. And so the pricing structure worked like this and it was like, all right, the, the program is $7,500, right? 7,500. 7,500. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, all right, dude, well, here's the thing. This is a better launch. I'm going to work with you personally. I'm not going to do this again. This is once I'm not doing this again. I'm working closely with a group of people. And I was very transparent. Like my goal is to work a lot with you to make a lot of case studies out of you. And then we're going to make this a big program. I'm mm. going to use this as a foundation to make this a really big thing. So in the beginning, I'm because in the future, I'm not going to be able to spend this much time with people because we're going to scale it big. But in the beginning, I'm going to spend extra time to get a lot more case studies. You know, I was very transparent about it. And I was like, well, look, here's what we'll do. You're going to have an eight-week program where I'm going to give you the A to Z blueprint, everything I know. Like, who are you going to serve? How are you going to coach them? What structure? What kind of funnels are you going to use? What, how, how are you going to fill up your funnels? What kind of traffic? Right, right. You know, how are you going to retain the customers? Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. And then I was like, all right, I tell you what. And we're gonna, I tell you what. I was like, I have a lot of testimonies. And I, we took a look at my testimony folders. And the videos, I'm like, some of the best ones we have are people that attended a live event. Mm. I'm like, that's where you get a lot of your impact. Like, yeah. like, like we've had test, like people, like no matter what live event you go to, you have people like we have testimonies, people like crying and people saying, dude, I've been studying this for years and I've learned more in these two days than I have in, in all these years combined. Why, like, people, why is that though? Because they're focused, bro. Because they're actually at something. They've left everything behind. They've left their families. They've left everything. They're at an event. They're immersed. They're immersed in it. And they're surrounded by it. They're engulfed by it. And they're just getting, they're just, it's just tapping them on a deeper level because they're actually looking at someone in a close-knit environment. So, I mean, it, I mean, we can go into the deep psychology of it, but if you, if you really think about it, it makes a lot of sense. The events are one of the, look, if you think about like courses, books, and so on and so forth, like it's all great, but like events are super impactful because all your um, senses are involved. You're fully immersed. You're surrounded by like-minded people. The energy levels up. Like think about the energy levels at an event are super high. And think about when you're just on your computer chilling, having a, having a sparkling water, watching a course on, on, on the computer. It's yeah. a totally different mind frame. Yeah. So now your mind is more susceptible to, to growth, susceptible to learning and retaining and, and utilizing information. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but at what, at what point? At what point does the event get too big that it starts to take away from the intimacy or the focusness of it, and the messaging to get people there become too um, fluff? I don't know, bro. Like two years ago in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Orlando was Funnel Hiking Live. I mean, that had what, four or 5,000 people, something 30, like that. 3,500, I think, plus 3, all the event staff. Yeah. So close yeah. to 4,000, I bet. Yeah. 3,500 people. I thought it was one of the, I mean, I remember giving them a testimony. I'm like, dude, I remember giving a video testimony. I'm like, I don't know if people realize this, but they just got a master's degree in marketing. They just got yeah, a they really did. Yeah. Education. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, that's insane. So, I don't know. I haven't been to any. I think that's the largest event I, I I've been to. I mean, like like my cousin just went to a Tony Robbins event. It was insane. It was like at a freaking football stadium. Yeah, and that one's. A, I feel like Tony Robbins. So I've never been to a Tony Robbins event. Full transparency, yeah. which is which is interesting because you know me in the mindset space where I you know talk big about the mind. My my big deal with Tony and 
I, I don't want to talk negative of Tony. I, I think he's a really good dude. And I think he's talked to a lot of people. But like, I don't like, I don't like cussing. And I don't like people cussing at my mind. I, I understand the psychology behind it, right? Yeah. And I don't mind swearing every now. Like, I mean, I use language every now and then, like in a certain environment. But like, he spoke at, yeah, at Funnel Hacking Live at the end of it, right? And it was some, quite a, quite a bit of yeah. it. And I like, I don't know if I'm going to reprogram my mind. I, I, I get from a psychological level what that does. But I don't know if I like. I don't know if that's how I want to program my mind. But that is not a, a bash on Tony Robbins. I, you know what? I mean, I, but. A lot of people are doing that. The, the bad language thing. I actually disagree with it from a psychological point of view. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Um, I also look. I used to. I'm coming at it at a little bit of a different perspective. I used to swear like a sailor. So, so did yeah. I. I used to oh, work night. Shift. Yeah, dude. I used to work night shift around like a night crew around people that like I. People like say every other word is the f bomb. Like, dude, there were nights when it was like a competition of who could use the most. <laughs> right? So, like, I used to be a sailor's mouth too. <laughs> no, I, I look. I think it's um, look. I, I find there's no blessings in it. Look, I, you know, I'm a god fearing guy. There's no God doesn't like swearing. Look, I'll make it real black and white. A lot of people don't like to talk about this. Yeah, I don't care what major religion you follow. Yeah, uh, any one of the major ones. Here's the bottom line. Hmm. Everything we have, and we live phenomenal lives. Okay, yeah. anyone who's listening to this lives a phenomenal life because you're not in some war-ridden third-world country, starving, right. wondering where your next meal is coming from. Yeah, God loves us a lot. God's done so much for us, blessed us so much, and it's like He hates swearing, and He says it. So it's like I'm just not going to do it because He hates it, and there's no blessings in it. Like I'm just going to be yeah. super black and white about it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like Joel Osteen. I remember, like, like the Bible says, "Don't eat pork," right? Mm. Joel Osteen gave a talk and he was like, bro, no one says this. I'm just going to say it. Like, you're, you're all not supposed to be eating pork. Everyone <laughs> does it anyway. And it was like so cool to watch him say that because he's just so like straight up about it. Yeah. Uh, and he's here in, in, in Texas as well. But yeah, man, there's no blasting in it, man. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Not, yeah. Sorry. It's, go ahead. No, it's one of those things where like, so I, I believe that there is a time and a place in a small more intimate setting, you know, yeah, for example, out of me once in a while too, by the way. right. But like, let's say I'm talking to, so I remember, I remember I had a conversation with my dad and it, I was in trouble. Like I was in big trouble. I had mouthed off to my mom one too many times, not with language. Just, I was just disrespectful. I was probably 16 or 17. And, um, I remember my dad told me, he's like, and it's a true story. He said, Josh, if you ever mouth off to your mom ever again, my dad was yeah. a truck, tr truck driver. Yeah. Um, he said, I don't care where I am in the country. I will call my boss, I will turn the truck around and I will come and I will beat your butt. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So like two or three days go by and sure enough, I mouth off to mom because you know, 16 year old, don't take your dad seriously. And he was like five hours away and he held true to his word. He turned that truck around. He said, go out to the barn. It was like freezing cold. It was like 20 degrees outside. He's like, get a coat on and you go sit there. I sat out there for hours waiting for him to come home, right? And we had a conversation and there was some strong language used in there, but it was father to son. And it was like, you better get your together, right? And I did like that conversation will stick with me for the rest of my life. So for me, time and place, I don't think there's ever a time when you can use God's name in vain and get away with it. Like, I mean, that's pretty black and white, but I think yeah. you know, for me, there's, there's a time and a place in a very unique setting for it. It's just not my, like in a public setting, 
when there's cameras everywhere, stuff can be taken out of context. I get it, but I think that's the worst, bro. I think, and I, and I completely agree with you. And and I, you know, intimately with family and friends and stuff, I definitely, you know, have a little strong language once in a while. But dude, especially like at a public event, you got like you have the masses, bro. At these big events, you have the masses, and the ma- you know that's your mindset, dude. The, the masses are very uh, sheep-like. And they see this big, powerful guy swearing a lot. Well, then automatically it's acceptable. Yep. That's what that's what you're supposed to talk like. Oh, that, that's what successful people talk like. You know, and it's just a terrible message. And it's just not being – again, I'm not picking on the guy. Again, a lot of love. I'm, just, I'm not picking on – I'm just saying generally. Anyone, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have – by the way, I mean, like, <laughs> we've had people that use heavy profanity on the sh- on the show before. I mean, like, you know – some of my best friends use language all the time and people that I'm, you know, they, so I'm like, I'm not saying you're less of a person or whatever, just from a personal right. conviction standpoint, I don't use right. it. Here's my reasoning behind it. And, you know, I, I think once again, there's time and place for everything, but it's something that was very, very, very hard for me to clean up. And I think honestly, being able to control that was one of the things, you know, how when you like change a habit or you change something big in your life, no matter where it is in your life, if you overcome an area of your life, you suddenly have power in a lot of other areas as well because you believe you can make a major change. Uh, you know, for me, I think overcoming that, like controlling my tongue, because I, dude, I, even when I started online three years ago, in fact, the last time I think I ever publicly swore like heavily online, um, I did, I lost it. And this was like probably three years ago. It was before I had moved to Omaha. And um, there were some people that were making fun of some of the stuff that we were doing in our group. And this was back when it was like seven or eight people. And I literally told people publicly, I mean, the video is deleted now, but like told people publicly to get the F out of my group, right? And so I was like, huh, I thought about that. And I was like, if I could control that, if I could control my reactions to people and not get so frustrated that I want to swear at them, that would be a major win. And I remember like setting that as a goal. And now I, you know, now I'm able to do that. And it, it, it allowed me to have so much control in other areas of my life too. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you're not called to do that, great. But I encourage people to go and take one thing in their life that might not even be wrong in your eyes. But like, if you can control and have discipline, I feel like it goes a long way in a lot of other areas of your life as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. But how old did you say you were? When I... No, how old are you now? Now, now 25. You're 25 now, yeah. Man, it's interesting to watch you, man, because I'm watching you. I'm watching your mannerisms. I'm, I'm listening to your language. I'm listening to you you know, to the structure of your words, man, it, I, I'm, I'm proud of you, man. I was, Thanks, a de- man. No, I was a degenerate at your age, bro. You ca- at your age, yeah, you catch me at a casino mo- on a Wednesday morning with two girls and a bottle of Jack. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I was like a legit, like degenerate, but you got your, you, I mean, yeah, I mean, and for those who don't know, I'm not like that. I, I'm, I'm, I've totally changed my life, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I'm proud of you, man. You got your head screwed on at a young age. You, you, I can see, like, you're going to be this, like, superstar, bro. I mean, Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Actually, I want to talk to that, too, though. Like, what do you attribute that to? Like, wh- why you? Like, why are you so well-grounded at such an early age? Man, I, I'd i like to know the answer to that. Well, it's not <laughs> so, anything. I, I'm guessing it has something to do with your upbringing, though. No, it, it is. It's 100%. Like, I've thought about it a lot, and I've studied it. So, I actually, I mean, I study psychology a lot. I mean, if you, philosophy, I mean, if you look at my wall, like directly behind this and my listeners know this, I have the definitions of like sociology and psychology and philosophy and quantum and, you know, behavioral economics or whatever on there. So I study this stuff a lot. I, I firmly, firmly attribute it to my upbringing with my parents. And so, you know, there, it's, it's always interesting. People like to blame their parents for a lot of things, you know, and I, in the past have blamed my parents for 
not being good with money because they weren't right. And and I'm love my parents to death. And we've had this conversation before. And my mom will probably listen to this episode. Mom, I love you. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm serious, and I have. But you know, it's interesting because everybody can attribute. Okay, I don't want to say everyone. Some people's parents are just pieces of crap. Like I get it. All right, it's like some people truly don't have a dad in their life, or don't have a mom in their life, or they're on drugs, alcoholics, beating their parent. You know, beating them like. I'm not talking about those people, but I would say for a majority of the people that listen to the podcast, like your parents might have messed up in a lot of areas, but there's always something good you can find in what they taught you. And, you know, for me, I sat down and I started looking at it. If there's one thing that my parents, well, if there's multiple things that my parents taught me, like that I can attribute to them, number one, my parents taught me how to work and they taught me how to work hard and they taught me how to take responsibility for my life and for my actions. And I think that singular thing has, from a business perspective, has played more into my success than anything they could have possibly taught me about money. And I, I think that that's very important. And I would say the other thing that they taught me, which is absolutely huge, was that there is truth out there and that you really need to seek truth. And I, I disagree on some things, maybe with where my parents think are true or 100% right. You know, my parents are devout Christians, and I would consider myself a Christian as well. We both believe in the Bible, but you know, the interpretation of that or what's right, what's wrong. I mean, like I've done psychedelic experiences and, you know, things of that nature where, you know, I have maybe a different view of different things, but I definitely believe in a creator. I definitely believe in absolute truth. I don't think there's a whole lot of it, but I definitely believe there's absolutes. And so with that, with my mind being on straight, if you want to say, I know that I, there's, there is a moral right and wrong, and I know that I have to work really, really hard and take personal responsibility for my actions. And so regardless of what it is, rich, poor, famous, not famous, successful, not successful, you name whatever it is, you treat people with respect, you work really hard for what you want, you take responsibility for your actions and you look for truth. Pretty good, solid life advice. That's what my parents taught me growing up. And so I can talk negative about anything. I could say my parents were too rough or this or whatever. But at the end of the day, they taught me some pretty solid life principles. And I think that, you know, with parents, you go and you watch them more than you listen to them. And they lived that in a lot of ways. So I, I would, I would attribute it to that. What about like, did you, what about like Sunday school or whatever? Did you do anything like that? Yeah. So we did. And it's funny, I actually taught, taught it when I, you know, when I was in my late teen, 18, 19, 20. Um, but no, I, we did. So I went to a pretty conservative church and by pretty conservative, I mean like, like every, all the women wore dresses to the floor and, you know, like, we wore suits and ties or at least shirts and ties every Sunday. No, no band, no nothing, just one piano. So, I mean, I grew up pretty darn conservative. And so Sunday school looked a little different in the sense of it was like a 10, 15 minute thing up front with the pastor while everybody also listened type deal. But I was in church and very religious in that sense. And when I was very, very young, um, we did go to a church before we moved to Indiana that had Sunday school. So I learned like the typical Bible stories and you know, things like that. Now, the reason I ask is because like, I'm just trying to, <laughs> I always try to, it's interesting because like, I, I, have great, I have great parents and they're great people, good people. So I'm just trying to think, like I look at a lot of people and I'm strictly observing them from a scientific point of view, especially Mormons. Mm. You're not a Mormon, right? I'm not Mormon, no, but I have lots of Mormon friends. Yeah, there's a lot of Mormons and, I, and I'm fascinated by them. They're like my age and they've got like five kids and they're like 10, 11, 12, 13 and they've got like this like super successful business that's been going on that they've had for a long time and I'm like, wait, how old are you? Yeah. And, and I kind of like studied them. It's like, 
okay, they do a lot of that. Like they have a really tight knit quality community that they kind of like grew up in. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think lacked in my life. Interestingly enough, like I had great, great family, like yeah. quality people, you know, these are like stand up good people. Um, community is one thing I think that, I mean, I, I had a really backward community. Community was really like outdated and like, you know, the guy, the teacher didn't really speak English properly. So all the kids were, we would be running around, you know, pranking each other and messing around. We never had that like community structures. I think, I think that's a really underrated thing that, you know, they say, they say yeah. they say, Joe. Well, even, so I was watching a, a podcast by Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro were on and even Joe Rogan, who very liberal, not religious, you know, you know, that nature, even he says the, that he sees and understands the importance of religion or churches in small communities and how much that plays into it, um, you know, and how much that can positively affect people regardless of the religion. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, just being religious and being disciplined to that. And I would say also with that, I think the two things that my parents did really well at a young age for me is number one, they disciplined me. And at the time, obviously it sucked and you cried and yada, yada, yada. But like my parents were big on discipline. And because of that, like I didn't mouth off. And when I did, there was discipline to it. And so I understood that if I did things, there was consequences to my actions. And so I understood not, not only like, Hey, and I remember, you know, for the rest of my life, I'll remember this. My mom and dad would say, be happy that you're getting a spanking because I wish that God would just give me a spanking and not punish me and with the lessons that I have to learn. Right. And I didn't get that at the time, but now I grow up and I'm like, dang, I mess up sometimes. And I'm like, man, God, just give me a spanking and let's just, you know, call it good. Right. But you know, it's, it's a different form of that. And so I think I learned that consequence or actions have consequences, both positive or negative. And the second thing I would say is that my parents did, and I don't know how they did this, man, because it is a tough thing. And it is, they explained even at a young age why they did things. And like to us, it seemed like the most ludicrous, ridiculous reasons. And we didn't want to hear it. We didn't care. But my mom, especially, I mean, my, my dad too, but my mom, especially would just over and over and over and over and over and over again would explain to us why they would do stuff and explain like, hey, we're disciplining you because we love you. We're disciplining you because discipline, this is what it will do for you long-term. And I think having that understanding of why checks and balances and discipline and things were important and that actions have consequences and understanding the why behind it played a huge role. You know? That's interesting, bro, because like, and that's the kind of thing, I'm, like I was a troublemaker in school, right? I was a, I was a troublemaker, I was, I was a joke. I was too, yeah. Say it again? I was too, actually, young. Yeah, yeah. so the thing like, it's interesting because I see a lot of people like that, right? And like what you said, like we did it. I, I, I was good because it was consequences. But like, I'm trying to think where the disconnect with me was because I didn't really care. Like, if my if my parents were going to like discipline me, it didn't bother, it didn't stop me from doing something I wanted to do. It's like, well, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? They're going to like you know give me a little smack on the hand, so what? They didn't no, mean it. Yeah, you know I mean? no, 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 no. These were disciplines, dude. No, no. I mean, I used to get like disciplined. Okay, too. okay, okay. But it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, like I see people like that today where it's like, like, you know, I, I got, I got in the car the other day and I, and I like to like think deeply about, I'm like, see, and he put his seatbelt on, which is great. And I fully encourage that. And I asked him, by the way, why do you put your seatbelt on? And I'm kind of studying this guy. It's like, oh, you know, you'll get a ticket if you don't. I said, okay. So that, I mean, like a lot of people think like that. And I really disagree with that mentality. Mm. They're just afraid. They're, no. They live in fear, in other words. Yeah, yeah. So that was not at all. I meant, I'll, I'll have to go back and talk too. to my parents. No, no. And I, and I understand no. that. But like, it's weird because like, what's a $25 ticket fine if I don't wear a seatbelt? Like, <laughs> who cares, right? Like, that's not why I wear a seatbelt. I wear a seatbelt because I, you know, for me personally, I didn't used to. 
But now I wear a seatbelt because I actually care about other people in my life. And for me, it's like, that's, that's if beautiful. I, if I die, if I, you know, if I'm like, here's the thing, dude, I, I'm, a, I'm a speed, right. I'm, I'm a speed demon. I've been to jail for doing 155 <laughs> miles an hour on the back of a wow. motorcycle. You know what I mean? Like I've done 181 miles an hour on a motorcycle before, like, like stupid speed. Right. So wow. like for me, I understand that I'm dumb. But all of a sudden I got into a relationship and all of a sudden I moved away from home and like those people became a little bit closer to me. And I was like, man, if I die on the back of a motorcycle now, before I'm dating, before that, I didn't care, right? But now I'm growing up a little bit and I'm like, hmm, there are definite precautions that I can take that would make it safer to where if I, if I have people in the car, I'm, safe, I'm a safe driver. But if I don't have people in the car, if it's me and I'm on a long trip, you better believe if it's open road and no one's around, I'm doing 95, hundred miles an hour. Like I just am. Right. But I also know that if I put my seatbelt on and something happens, there's a much better chance of me living. And so I think that for me, you know, my parents taught me how to think. They taught me how to think independently. They taught me the reason behind things. And I, if there's one thing that I know about my dad and my mom too, but I think that I learned this more from my dad than anything is he said, Josh, no matter what you do in life, like you could be an Uber ultimate failure. You could go kill someone. You could go you do something terribly awful. When you come to me, the first thing I'm going to say to you is, yeah, you've messed up. Yup, you've got to suffer the consequences from it. But I still love you and I'm still going to help you through it, right? So like my, I knew my dad was in my corner even when I did stupid things. And I think for me, it weirdly made me like not want to disappoint them, you know? Because I was like, I couldn't disappoint them. Like they could be upset, they could be sad, they could be, but, but they still loved me, right? And there was no oh, way that I could lose my parents' love. You know, that's so interesting. You know, I'm going to be a little vulnerable for two reasons. One, I know my parents are not listening. <laughs> two, um, I wouldn't say this, but two, I'm going to say it in kind of some intimate details because in hope that it maybe helps some dads who are listening out there. But I mean, I'm just trying to pinpoint, and I, also, and I don't think about this stuff, but I'm just trying to pinpoint, like, why did I mature so late in life? Why was I you know, so lost for so many years. I think it's a lot of things you're talking about. My dad, who's a great guy, but he was a hardcore businessman. And I think it's important to talk about this, especially on your podcast. You probably got mostly entrepreneurs, maybe. Yeah, yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs. But he was a hardcore entrepreneur, okay? Worked a lot. My dad never had any of these conversations with me Mm. um, about like what you just said, like, um, you know, or he never taught me about like relationships mm. or women or, or, or any of that kind of, you know, any, any of those kind of dad son talks you see on TV. Yeah. Um, you know, I never had really any of those. And it's because my dad, um, I don't know, his dad, um, died when he was young. You know, I, I think that I don't think he got any of those talks. Yeah. My dad came from a very large family seven brothers, six sisters. Wow. So imagine how much one-on-one time he got. Probably not a lot. Not mm. to mention his dad died when, my, when he was like 12, 13. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so he never really got that, I don't think. I never really got that. And I think it's really important you know, to do that. And, and, and sometimes I see myself now, even when my kids are young, but like, because I matured late in life, like, I'm kind of, like, you know, in the thick of my business right now, like, really growing it, and, and, you know, things are happening. And it's like, yeah, I have kids, but my mind is so uber, like, focused and so um, swelled with, mm. with 
business stuff that yeah. a lot of times, like my kids are young too. And they're like two, they're age two and three. And a lot of times it's just like, dude, I can't deal with this, with this chaos right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got, I got stuff I got to do. Yeah. It's like really important and remind to myself and to all the other dads out there that like, I think, I think we play a massive role in the, 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 the quality. Huge. In, and the quality of what they, I think we play a massive role in the kind of person our kids turn out to be. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to recognize that the massive ripple effect that it could be negative or positive. So I think we absolutely have to uh, prioritize that and, and make time and even study. Like I have coaches for everything, bro. I got a business coach. I got a fi- I got a finance coach. I got a health coach. Um, uh, well, oh, I got a relation. I got a relationship coach for me and my wife. But I don't have a parenting coach. I should, yeah. although, although my relationship coach can maybe talk about that. But yeah, uh, you know, it's I don't have any. I have a, a ton of books here. You know, you got all the classics, right? The the Russell Bronsons, the Tony Robbins, the all Jay Abrahams. You got all that. I don't think there's a single parenting book in there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's super, super, super important. I've 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 had a serious aha moment in this podcast. Oddly enough, it has nothing to do with business. Oddly enough, it really has everything to do with business. Well, and I think so, man. And like uh, the thing that I noticed, because I mean, I know you and I've talked about this before too, is like kids watch more than they listen. And you, what's interesting is I've studied the mind, and I know you, you, you know the mind well. But for those people that don't, and you know, talk about this, like when you're a child, your the critical thinking part of your brain does not actually fully develop until you're like, arguably like 12, 14 years old, right? I mean, there, some speculations would even say it's into your late teens or whatever, but like truly, a child is not truly in making... What? <laughs> in my case recently. <laughs> <laughs> but like your critical thinking of right and wrong doesn't develop to, to know whether or not something is good or bad. So whatever you see your dad or mom do, whatever you like they're watching you do and you got to remember your subconscious starts right when you're born and it keeps a perfect memory of everything like it remembers from the day that you pop out to the day that you die it knows everything about you it remembers in perfect detail and you don't consciously remember that but the thinking part of your brain just absorbs things so you at a young age if your dad is always at work right? And is a workaholic and is prioritizing that more than is prioritizing kids and is more than, you know, prioritizing it more than your, you know, what subconsciously when you're five, six, eight, you're, you don't realize that that's what's happening, right? You just think, oh, dad's at work, but it's sending this subconscious message to the fact that, hey, that's what's most important. And then when you're working, you know, 12, 14, 18 hours a day, which once again, I'm not bashing on entrepreneurs, but like we got to remember that's the thing and in in anything. And if you focus on them and you just spend all the time with them too, like they're going to remember that. And I'm not saying that you have to spend, you know, every waking hour with them. But I think the one thing that my dad did, because my dad worked a lot, even when I was young, like just to pay the bills, you know, we did not come from a family with excess cash. It was pretty paycheck to paycheck my whole life, which once again, I have no, no hatred. We never knew hunger and I didn't, wasn't poor, but like we had everything we needed. But the one thing that my dad would always constantly do when, when he would come back is I know from the deepest downest bottom of my heart in every form of who I am, I know that my dad's heart was to be with his family because he would come home and he would just tell us how much he dreaded going to work and how much he was thankful for the ability to work, but that he wanted to be with us and that 
no matter what, when my sister got sick, my sister went into the hospital. She had seizures every eight minutes. Unknown. The number one child epilepsy doctor in the world told my parents, like, we've got no idea what's wrong with your daughter. My dad, without thinking about it, there was not one second thought in his mind, took two months off work so that he could be at home with his family when he did not have the cash to do that. Right. And like went into debt over it, brought on, I mean, like prioritized his family so high. Now, from a financial standpoint, you look at that and go, you're an idiot. Right. But at the same time, I saw that from my dad and know that there is literally nothing in the world more important to, to him than his family. And it is the reason people ask me all the time. I was on a podcast with James Smiley and he was asking me this, Josh, when are you having kids? Josh, when is a family? When's this? And I said, people don't realize, and I firmly believe this, most people do not realize how big of a commitment having a child is. Like they have no concept of what it takes to raise a child right. And so- well, I'll for, tell you this, for the, for the young listeners out there, man, I'm going to say, I'm going to say my personal experience, I say the younger, the better, man. And, and a lot of people are going to disagree with that. And I've thought about that a lot. I mm. truly think that the younger, the better, personally. Really? Like, Why is that? Bro, me being like a little older and having these like little toddler kids, like a lot of times I'm just like, bro, I'm too old for this shit. Excuse mm. my language. But yeah, it's yeah. just, I'm just like, bro, like, I, like I'm sitting here like, and I'm just looking at this stuff. I'm like, uh, bro, I'm, come on, I'm not at this phase of my life where I got to go deal with this sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, mm. they spill something all over the floor. They're spilling, you know, there's, and, 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 I'm, and I'm a super nice dad. Right, uh, right. But you know, they, like they, they spill and break a bunch of stuff and, and I don't care at all, but I'm just like, bro, I can't, come on. Well, I, I got to deal with this. This is for kids. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> this is for kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you're saying, you're, so you're saying that, that like, that's, hey. That's a very small thing. That's a very small thing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like, I just, I just want to properly answer your question because that, that's one small thing. The reality, it's, it's that, but it's also a lot more. It's just like, dude, when you're young, you know, it depends. Because like right now, like, you know, you and I are like in certain, uh, uh, we're, we're at a certain section, a certain level in our business where it's just like, it requires, like, we're trying to grow it. Like we have big goals and we're trying to grow it. And that takes a lot of brain power and a lot of focus and a lot of energy. So it's not the best time to have kids because you're right, kids deserve a lot of that. Right. Like I beat myself up a lot too because I'm, I'm home every day by six. I see them every morning. I spend every, uh, I, I don't work Saturdays. I don't work on the weekends. I'm with them every weekend. So I do beat myself up a lot. I do spend a good amount of time with them. But, um, you know, do I, when I do it, when I see like nine to five guys or um, people, young couples, I just see that they spend a lot more time with their kids and in a different kind of way too, like very focused because they got nothing else going on. They're young. They don't have these big goals and, or they're nine to five. And when they leave, when they come home from work, they get, they, you know, work is not on their mind. I just see like a little type of different focused uh, mm. interaction between them and their kids. And it's just interesting to kind of trick one. I, and you know, it's very interesting. That's a very interesting perspective on that because you're right i mean people that don't have as big of goals i mean they have more time and, and i would i would also say that most people are don't spend time with their kids they'd rather watch netflix and put a video game in front of their kids but that's a shame like if you got nothing going on and you're picking freaking netflix instead of your kids that's a freaking shame and i would agree with you 100 percent. you know what i mean <laughs> honestly what, what, have you ever done like do you involve your kids in work at all do i what involve your kids in your work at all meaning like so before my brother passed away he was a, you know, he was a dad. He had one kid. Um, and, uh, he, I mean, Kyle was a beast. I mean, he worked just as much as I did, if not more. I mean, like he was constantly doing that and, um, he would just involve his kid. Now keep in mind, he wasn't public 
So like he didn't live on social media, like his business was all, you know, PR and whatnot. So he wasn't putting, his, he wasn't putting his kid on camera, but like Max was constantly with him at work and, you know, going to the office and hanging out. How old, and how old is Max? Max is five now, but I remember oh, wow. even like, even at like three years old, you know, he was going and, uh, I don't even know how that's possible. My kid would, this place would be on fire in three minutes. <laughs> uh, I don't even know. That, 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 uh, you know what? He raised a good kid, man. He raised a good kid. My kids yeah. are wild. My kids huh. are like I was. And I was the exact same one. Huh. We spent a lot of time talking about kids and parenting. I think it's an important topic, but I want to move on if that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know so, you haven't talked any business. No, I mean, that's fine. This podcast is a business podcast, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a mindset podcast. It's, just a, yeah. it's actually not even, I mean, it is. It's a mindset podcast. It's a, it's a life podcast. It's, it's about asking important questions and having important conversations. And that's what it's all about. And I think this is an important conversation. But I want to switch to, and this kind of goes right along with it. I want to switch to leadership mm-hmm. in, in an expert-based business or in a team-based business and what I mean by that is like, all right, so we talked about parents and the importance of leadership roles and, you know, and things of that nature. You, you have people working for you and have a team, right? Um, and so do I. I have, we now have five. We just hired another part-time uh, person for us that just started with us on Monday. Um, What's your team look like? Uh, so I have the podcast and then I have, which just has me and it was just one other person. Now we just hired this part-time person. And then I have the agency, which has a team of five. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a copywriter and a funnel designer and a project manager and then Lauren and I, and, um, you know, so we have f- five of us there and then we have a, a part-time person that also does like one-off gigs for us for like WordPress and stuff. Um, cause we don't really do that. But what's interesting to me is like how, how much I've had to personally self-develop when, when, um, I started hiring people. Cause it like forced me to become a new person again. How has leading a team or even just leading an audience? Cause you have a pretty big reach online too. I mean, we're not Russell Brunson, but like you've got some email list and reach and whatnot. Like you have some influence. How has that changed you? Um, or has it? How has having an audience changed me? How has having a team? I guess those are two separate questions. Let's start with the team. How has having a team changed who you are? Um, not much, bro. In the sense that like my cousin came over, right? Smart dude, right? He wants to start an online business. He just kind of invited himself over to come live with me for a couple of days to learn. Smart guy. Uh, didn't really ask. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a real kind of like, this guy's a corporate guy, professional guy. He wants to get out of that, wants to start his own business. So this is the kind mm-hmm. of guy who wears a white shirt, tucked in the belt the whole time. <laughs> he comes and he sees me and I'm super cash. And he sees the way I talk to clients, wearing a hat, you know, chewing gum, talking, talking to them like I know them. And he's literally in shock with his job. He's like, dude, what in the world is this? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because like when he like he'll talk normally and then he'll get on the phone, be like, yes, hi. Yes, I expected a 2.30 prom. Thank you very kindly. You know, like that corporate, whatever they do, yeah, that, yeah. Mm. the niceties or, or the, the uh, diplom- diplomacies and all that. Yeah. So he sees the way I talk to my team and the way I talk to my students and the way I talk to, you know, everybody. He's just like, what in the world? So I'm, I talk like, like I'm talking to you right now is the same exact way I talk to my team. Mm. Um, there's no, it's very friendly. There's no, um, you know, th- there's not that kind of corporate boundaries and stuff. Do you, um, how do you, how do you enforce like deadlines and stuff? 
Or do yeah. you have a problem with that? Because like, here, like I, I'm blessed, man. The first, I went through several VAs and then I hired this lady named Carrie, who many people know about Carrie. Carrie is literally the most amazing human ever when it comes to <laughs> running my, I, I don't know, I don't know how I function without her. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm very blessed in the sense that, I mean, I've got, I don't know if lucky is the right word because I cycled through some people, but yeah. it was definitely a godsend. Carrie's yeah. on time. She's on top of things. Yeah. And things of that nature. But all of a sudden now you st- I, we started building our team on the Vivid side of things. And I'm not saying that, and, and I'm not in any way bashing on my Vivid team. They're amazing too. But also just dealing with multitudes of people, like more than one or two, you have to set deadlines. You have to set expectations and people have to learn about you. And like our new employee, I told Carrie, I was like, Carrie, tell her everything she needs to know about me because I don't really know what uh, you, you know what I mean? So like, how do you set deadlines and expectations and, and yeah. corrections well, and things like that? You know? Well, I, I kind of preframe it a little bit too. Um, and I think this is an important tip. And I as well cycle through a ton of um, uh, uh, assistance, executive assistance. I had people in-house. I had people locally. I had people overseas. I paid people a low amount. I paid people a high amount. I tried like all different variations. Right now, I have the best uh, assistant I've ever had. And, 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 and part of that reason is because... Um, I made them take a disc test. Mm. Okay. Huh. And yeah. This is super important. And this was a lifesaver for me. So I took a disc test. And anyone who has not, have you taken a disc, a disc test? Well, bro, it's just funny you say that. Not only, I've taken like four or five different types of personality tests. Yeah. But it's funny when I hired Carrie, I had her not take one, but two different types of, of personality yeah. tests. And I had Steph Gonzalez, who's amazing with this yeah. test, go through and interview her as well. So I think yeah. it's interesting you say that, but continue. I took a disc test. And if anyone hasn't taken it, dude, stop whatever you're doing or, or listen to the rest of the podcast. And yeah, then take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, when I read that, dude, it was like, it was like me. It was like, it was like a more intelligent person within me who's been with me my whole life talking to me about me. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God. For example, and it told me, it's like, dude, you need, as far as a team member, you need someone who's very, uh, very much a self-starter, someone who doesn't need a lot of direction. You know, um, and, and it told me these things. I was like, and that made so much sense because the people who never worked before, they needed a lot of direction. They needed to, me to be on top of them. And in the, in, the, in the essence, I the way my personality is, I need the opposite. I need to like tell someone an idea, an idea and I need them to be intelligent and creative enough to run with it. Yeah. And then, you know, so anyway, it tells you, it's like the e-harmony, bro, of hiring, where yeah. like it tells you the kind of person you need. So then you get the the... the you share those results with the person you're looking at and be like, dude, this is what I'm like. If you're looking for a lot of direction, you're not going to get it. Like, I'm not the right guy. Then you take a look at their disc test and you make sure it's a, it's a match. You yeah. make sure that they're not too dominant and you're not too dominant. Like, you make sure it's a, it's a good match. So, in other words, it's like using data and science to, to create like a, like a, you know, somewhat of a perfect match. It, it's worked out well for me. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's funny. That's exactly what I did with Carrie and she's been the best hire ever. Yeah. It's funny. I almost didn't hire her. And then I had her take the tests and then I had Steph look at it and Steph like, Josh, you need her. And I'm yeah. like, all right. So I took a risk and it's like, oh my gosh, the best yeah. in my life. Huh. That's Can interesting. The question about the deadline thing though. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm not a good, great example of this bro. Cause we're, we're super lax at our company. Like mm. we're not like, okay, well, here's the thing. If something doesn't happen, I always ask, Hey, what happened? What do we need to fix in our procedures or our systems or our communication to make sure that doesn't happen again? Doesn't happen again. So it's just like, oh, well, then they get to know how serious that is, right? So then I, and then if it happens again, I'll say, okay, so that happened before and we fixed this. So now what do you think we need to fix in order to make this happen? And I've really chilled them because I know, man, humans are mistake-making machines. But 
another thing is to get people who are on the same mission as you, to be honest with you. Because like yeah. we have a mission, we have, we're not super corporate, we have a vision. You, if you get people who share that, you know, it's a lot easier because they want to get it done. They want to get it done before the deadline because they're excited. It's not, you know, they, they feel like they're part of something they believe in. And yeah. I would definitely hire someone who believes in what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was listening to an interview one time and now that I now you say that, I can't remember who it was or what it was for. I want to say it was for Snapchat or Uber, some big tech company. Um, I want to say it was Snapchat, but that doesn't sound right. Um, but anyway, there, there's some big investor guy. He invested a bunch of money into it. And he was, he was uh, talking to like the guy that was running it or whatever. And so they had built it up and the investor guy was stepping out. He's like, what's your, you know, what advice do you have for me? Like, what do you want to see? How do you want to see it run? Yada, 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 whatever. And his only advice to the guy was don't F up the culture. Yeah, don't F up the culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, huh. And I think that, you know, because I've, I've not worked in a traditional corporate environment. Um, I worked in a job that serviced them, but it was a smaller company. So it wasn't real corporate. I never have worked with corporate BS. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. We worked with a lot of companies that did. And I saw how un, unaligned a lot of the leaders of the company were or people in management were in the company with uh, like they knew the company vision, but they didn't really enforce it. It was, they were just there. And I think that's a super important thing when it comes to that um, is hiring the right people that have the same mission. Yeah. And I'll say this too, bro. Like we have actually said people have uh, kind of audited us and they were, you know, impressed with the fact that we, we run a pretty lean operation. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't have a ton of stuff because frankly, we don't need a ton of stuff. I do have a lot of, you know, contractors and as needed stuff, but you know, you can run a pretty sizable business. It depends on your goals with, with a pretty limited amount of stuff. Now we are looking to hit the next level, which means, you know, we need more team members and systems and all that. Now you have to understand where your weakness is, in my opinion, and you've got to, uh, and what I advise is either study up on it or hire someone to come help you out. I'll be very straightforward with you. Like I've been able to build, you know, a nice, you know, small team and, and we've hit certain levels. But now to go to the next level, we do need to build a bigger team. It's not my specialty to have a big team. Like, and you know what? It's a, it, and it wasn't my dad's specialty either. My dad had hundreds of employees. And you know what? He wasn't wow. that great at managing it. Yeah, he wasn't that great at managing it. Matter of fact, I honest, I honest, I'm not saying this because he's my dad, but he honestly could have been like a Sam Walton, like the owner of Walmart. But he had one, he was terrible at management. He was terrible at systems and building, a, you know, systems and that, that culture and that, the, the, you know, the organization of a lot of people. Um, it, it's definitely weakness of mine to build a big team. I, I'm, I'm not the strictest manager. I'm a very nice kind of guy. And, you know, I, so I will be hiring, I already know who, you know, someone to help me put that in place. Yeah. To put all this, you know, so that we can get, you know, 20, 30 people, whatever we need at the time. I, I don't think I ever want this huge, massive, massive thing. Cause I think mm. with our goals, I think we can run that with a relatively lean team. Well, and I think that that's important too. A lot of people automatically think big company, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of staff. I mean, you look at yeah. someone like, and I know this is not really this type of business that most people are building, but you look at someone like Joe Rogan, dude, like that guy's reaches millions and millions of people. He's got two people working for him. You know yeah, I, mean? I love that. That's it. That's it. And you look at Sam Ovens, dude. I mean, you know, you know, Sam and I, what did you do in like 20, 30, 40 million dollars? It has like 29 people working for him. Like that's yeah. it. You know, that's just, uh, that's like 
crazy. And so uh, I know it is very interesting to me how when you have the systems right, you have the right vision that that's possible. But I do want to ask, because we're running a little bit short on time here, but I do, do want to talk to you really quick about that corporate game. You got that, what did you say, it was your cousin or your brother-in-law? What was it? Cousin, yeah, yeah. cousin, cousin. In corporate. I want to talk about that real quick because I hate corporate America. Not for what corporate America does so much. Like I think it plays its part and it's it's necessary in its way, but the rules and the political correctness. I mean, I don't know if you saw my post yesterday, uh, and you know, this kind of gives away when this podcast was recorded, you know, but uh I, I sent out an email not too long ago promoting uh a podcast interview that we did. Um, and I used the word Donald Trump in it. Yeah. And, uh, dude, no, 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 not someone, dude, dozens and dozens and dozens of people. And I had people messaging me on Instagram, Facebook, telling me my career is over, that I made mistakes <laughs> that like, you know, I mean, like the world was ending. Um, the one guy deleted his comment and he was like, uh, you, you made a big mistake. Um, learn from it and move on. You don't talk about politics and marketing. And I laugh because I'm like, you clearly have no idea what I do. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I, but my question it becomes, because I think that there's something to be learned from corporate. And one of the things that I think I've learned growing up is that as much as we like to hate on things, there's always something that can be learned from something that they're doing, they're doing right. Because in order for something to exist at a large scale of any sort, something has to be going right for them to have gotten there, right? And as much as we can hate on it, and like I could never work for a corporate organization like that because I can't wear a tucked in shirt all day and put up with their crap, there is something to be learned from corporate. And so I wanna ask you, in the internet marketing business, I think a lot of people, they treat it as not a joke, but they don't take it seriously because you didn't have to take it seriously to make money. Like I remember when I first got started, dude, I could literally almost say anything online and make money. It was ridiculous, right? I could be like, this Instagram course is amazing and people would go buy it. And now it's much more saturated than that. It's getting much more competitive, which I think is a good thing. What can we learn from traditional business that can be applied to an online or internet marketing business that they do right that we don't? That's a great question, bro. And I also want to ask you a question about President Trump, but I guess I'll answer this first. All right, let's do that. And we'll end with Trump. Um, <laughs> um, I often think about that, bro, because I go to like so many like, yeah, even the other day I was at Dunkin' Donuts, right? And I'm like, you know, this particular Dunkin' Donuts they, or, or, or Starbucks or something. I was like, do they always jack up the order every single time? How do these guys make any money? Yeah. And, then, and, then I had, and then I had a job once. It wasn't really corporate, but it was a company. Uh, it was a non-for-profit uh, kind of company, but there was also a profit sector to it as well. So much water cooler talk, bro. So much. So, so, much, yeah. so, so I said, bro, how do these companies make any money and i often ask myself that i'm like and, and i'm a businessman dude i come from generations of business uh owners from around the world in all different industries i mean it's in my blood yeah the only answer i could come up with bro is that they play big hmm. that's the only answer i could really come up with because i'm like dude they 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 mess up a lot they hmm. um there's they waste so much time they must just play big bro that's the only thing i can think of you know, so, I, don't, I don't know if that's the best answer, but that's all I got on that topic. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. And, and that's interesting because I've thought about it a lot. And my answer is they have a good product for their market. And I mean, some of them just have regular products, bro. But, they, but the product, how they got to being where they're at, I mean, you look at McDonald's, right? It's like the worst thing in the world for you. And their service is terrible, right? You got LaCroix, right? <laughs> I mean, it's... I, 
McDonald's is my guilty pleasure. Oh, for a very long time it was. And still, I, I still love a McDonald's cheeseburger and their French fries. There is not a thing better on planet earth than a good McDonald's French fry. It's just, it's my, it's the best thing in the whole world. But I look at that and I go, oh. they have a monopoly on the market and like it better. is so, huh? I like five guys better. Okay. Well, I mean, I, McDonald's is this huge fast food chain. And I look at it and I go, at the end of the day, if I just want a good burger that's cheap and fast and that I know is going to be the exact same way every time. I mean, like, yeah, there's margins, you know, it might be a little bit, but like, it's just consistently good, delicious. It might not be healthy for me, it might be this, but I know it's going to be cheap. I know roughly of the amount of time it's going to take. And I know roughly what it's going to taste like. I go to McDonald's, right? And I think that that has to be something to where their systems are so dialed in because you look at yeah. like health insurance companies or whatever. And if you can just produce a result consistently, time in and time in over and over and over and over and over again, even if that order's messed up, you're like the fry is still the fry, right? And burger is still the burger. And one of the things that I see in the internet marketing space is that people can't produce consistent results. They, it's like if you get a result, you get a, it's like an anomaly. Fair enough, bro. Fair enough, right? But I mean, like, take a look at this, 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 this bowl, yeah. right? Take a look at LaCroix, right? Take a look at, you know, these markers that that's like a, this incredibly massive company. I mean, these are just basic, regular products. Like, I agree with you what you're saying at McDonald's, right? Like, it's consistency around the world. You're going to get a cheap, fast, and tasty anywhere in the world. That's a formula. I get that they're actually in the real estate business. Well, yeah, for sure. But I mean, from a front, but even, but dude, even look at Expo, man. Why do you buy Expo versus another cheap marker out there? Because you know it's going to work. I no see, like for me. Right, it's like you see Expo everywhere, but that's just what like Amazon recommends, right? And maybe it's because they get good reviews, maybe because it works. You know what I'm saying? It's interesting, man. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, maybe you're, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just a, a good product, I guess. Because it's, it's not, it, it's not comp, it's not a complicated product though. And I think yeah. this is an important distinction that I've had to make because in in the internet marketing business, and this is a false belief that I had for a long time. I always thought, and this is more true for the high ticket world, but like if I'm charging money for something, it better blow people out of the water. It's got to be so uniquely different and this whole unique thing or whatever and all that jazz. And then I look at some of the basic products and I'm like, these are two markers. Why do I buy Expo over this cheapy one yeah. every time? And it's just because that I know Expo is going to work. And yeah. this other marker might work, but I don't know if it's going to be quite as good as quality. And there's a little like, bit better. <laughs> I like what you're saying a lot because like in the internet business, I, I always say that. And I always think that that dude, all you need is a, is a quality product that gets results and you're set. It's That's just it. that I never equated like a marker or a cereal bowl to be like a good product. But, but I you guess, know what I mean though? You pay a little bit yeah, more for a, a brand name paper plate because you know it's going to be good. And like certain things you don't really care about, right? Huh. Like, but overall though, that the reason someone has, and it goes right along, I think, and I like your perspective of like playing big. I mean, it's first to the market for sure. But I always laugh when people are like, it's not all about your product. It's about your marketing. I'm like, it's no longer that way. It used to be that way. But now... Like you've got to at least have a good product, at least uh, yeah. a, a decent product to last. People can compare Pepsi and Coke all you want, but Coke is not a bad product, right? Coke's a pretty darn good product and people yeah. might like Pepsi more. Marketing goes a long way, but you can't market your way out of a bad product for very long. Yeah. And you so, can sell a bunch of something, you know, and if it's bad, you, there's no longevity to it. Right. But you look at Starbucks, man. Like here's the thing. Starbucks is overpriced. It's not really all that different necessarily from another cup of coffee. Someone could t in, in, inherently duplicate what they've done with Starbucks. And I spend $5.65 almost every single morning on this stupid cup of coffee, right? But what do I know about Starbucks? 
I know that I'm going to get basically the exact same delicious tasting cup of coffee with the same like easy, convenient, everything. And that's why I buy Starbucks versus yeah. I'm guessing yeah. if Dunkin I'm buying Donuts from the gas station. Like Dunkin' Donuts is a fraction of the price, but they're not like that. They're not consistent. You know, you will, you have, it's hit or miss. You have good days, it's awesome. You have some days where they go, do they screw up the whole thing? But also look at Dunkin' Donuts compared to Starbucks. Dunkin' Donuts is a very, I would say, um, what, what, geographic, like it started, didn't it start in Boston? Is that where it started, I think? Or somewhere up in the East Coast or whatever? I, maybe I'm yeah, wrong on that. Coast. It's an East Coast. No, it is. It is an East Coast. And so it like started there. And I looked like in Omaha, we have this thing called Scooters, which is more popular than Starbucks, although there's still, you know, Starbucks everywhere. And I look at them and I go, yeah, you got, you got a decent product. You know, like it, it's good. It might even be a slightly better product than Starbucks. But I was like, Starbucks is just consistently good every single time, always. And yeah. the, the branding and marketing along with playing big with that. I just think that having, yeah. having a consistently good product, that is, it doesn't have to necessarily be the best. It has to be Consistent. consistently above average. No, I, I got on here on my whiteboard. I, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to, uh, somebody patched me to, to, to someone I was listening to a call and they were saying, man, I see iPod all over the place. He's consistent. I'm literally like listening to him, writing it on the board. He's like, I see him all over the place. Our value is aligned and he's consistent. Like, yeah, people respect consistency because there's a trust there because they know it's, you're going to be there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that with some like little Lala, like like a dollar product or $3 product that it's got to be good. So that's, that's interesting to think on that micro level, man. I like that. I appreciate that. I, I know just, we're short on time. I wanted to ask you about Trump real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's um, talk Trump. So I'm going to talk to you like totally non-biased. All right. I, let's let's, let's chat. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally non-biased. Hmm. I'm asking like... Like as like as, as someone collecting data. Imagine yeah. I'm like I work for a data company. So you're you're a, I think you're a, you're a Donald Trump, a President Trump fan. Everyone says Trump Trump. I think we should call him President out of respect. But President, you're yeah. President Trump fan, right? Mm -hmm. You are. Okay. I I, I, I support and voted for Donald Trump, and I would I consider myself a Donald Trump supporter. That doesn't mean I agree, I agree with everything, but I would right. say well, I am, I, yeah. I definitely am a, a Donald Trump supporter. Right. Well, I mean nobody agrees with, with everything that anyone says, but. I guess my, so here's the question for data purposes, right? So like, for example, lately, if somebody asks you, well, man, dude, how can you be um, a Trump fan when he's, he's, uh, where it seems like he's a racist, where at, at his latest, uh, at, at his late, at his latest event, at his latest rally, people were chanting, uh, send her back, send her back. They're talking about some uh, minority congresswoman and he let them and he doesn't deny and he doesn't say anything. Like, what do you say? Again, I'm, I'm totally non-biased. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, what do you say to that person? You know, and I think that's a great point. So, you know, I, I, I think that there are, I think that there are two things and, and I don't want to go too, too deep into this for the sake of time, but I think there's two essential jobs of the president, right? Or there are two areas of where the president's job lies. There are social issues and then there is economical or non-social issues, right? Like economics, military defense, like things of that nature, right? That, that are not in, in the interest of like making people feel good or, you know, like, what's right, morally right and wrong. It's more of just like, hey, we have to make sure the country works, right? And so from my aspect and, and my uh, experience with things, I look at the country pre-Trump coming into it. And I say, the country's a wreck. It's, it's a wreck on all fronts, okay? Uh, the, economically, we're not great. The military, we're kind of okay, but like we're not great. Uh, from culture, diversity, we're not great. Things of that nature. I believe that the job of the United States president is to first and foremost protect and build the country. Okay. Like that, that is what I believe 
from, from my perspective with the president, it is not the president's job to go and decide what you need to personally do with your life. Now, I think from an economical standpoint and from a military standpoint, I have agreed with almost everything that Trump has done, okay? From a social standpoint, I believe that I don't know what in the actual heck he is dealing with when it comes to the, the House of Representatives and Congress and Senate, like all those different things. I have no idea what he's going through. I also know that in today's world and then in today's society, that Trump knows how to play the system and that Trump knows how to get attention. So I disagree with Trump on how he handles people. I believe that Trump should do a better job of keeping peace or should I say, extinguishing hatred. But I don't believe that Trump intentionally, and I've been to a Trump rally before. Like I've been there, like actual huge, like 20,000 people, right? And I will say, while he was on the campaign trail, okay? And I will say, I did not personally hear, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying, you know, it's not there. But me personally, in my experience, I did not hear a single racist comment. I did not hear anybody saying that we should be blowing up Democrats or, you know, like, you know, people that disagree with them or whatever the ridiculous things that they're saying. However, I do believe that the way that Trump carries himself breathes that type of behavior. I, and, I, and I've said that before. So I very much disagree in a way that Trump handles himself and carries himself by the way he articulates and communicates. But I understand why he does it. Don't agree with it, but I understand why because it gets him elected. But from strictly a policy standpoint, and I try to judge people based off of what they do with their actions when it comes to policy in the political spectrum, right? Like, I get it. You say what you got to say to get uh, elected. You say what you got to say to build a community, whatever, okay? Like, I can kind of look past that. And I look past that with Hillary and with Obama and with, you know, all the other people. You say what you got to say. I get it. I want to know what you're going to do with policy. And from my perspective, Trump has not done a single thing or very, very few things that either A, hurt any form of American or B, make anybody's life less. In fact, Trump has signed executive orders on immigration that went above and beyond Obama and past presidents. And so for me, I go, I'm able to look past what he is saying and what he is doing because I look at Trump and I go, Trump is just another influencer, dude, when it comes to what he's saying. You know, like, yes, he's the president, but let's, if he's the president, let's judge him on presidential actions, which is like what he's able to do outside of another influencer. The second that you can go and be like, this person is spreading hatred. Trump has never one time incited violence or said that we should go and kill or blow up people or do negative things or whatever. Yes, he said we should lock her up, blah, blah. And I disagree with that. And I've been vocal about that. But Trump has also not gone out and incited violence on anyone. And the second that Trump would, Trump would go out and spread violence and say that we should kill or hurt or anything of someone of that, I would be the first person to stand up and vehemently disagree with him on that because that is absolutely wrong. But from a a uh, policy perspective, I think he's done everything right or, or most things right that as far as with what I, uh, what I believe in. Sorry, that was a long yeah, I think I think people are really unfair, man. Like you have people like, oh, he did this and he did that. I'm like, bro, like we, we said a while ago, right? Like humans are like, no one's perfect. Like you're not no. going to agree with anything. You're not going to agree with 100% of what anyone says, including your mom and dad. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and, I, and I listen, I happen to agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like I think he's done a lot of great policies. Um, you know, I think uh, he's helped. He's helped you and I with our taxes. That's for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> he's done a lot of cool things. Um, I liked I when when he was running. I was like, dude, because I'm from the East Coast, mm -hmm. and when he was running for president, and he had this thing where like, dude, I'm not 
I'm not a politician. They're not going to buy me. I'm a businessman. This country needs, uh, I'm like, this country is broken and needs to be fixed. I'm like, bro. And me being a hardcore entrepreneur, I'm like, bro, you know, I love this because yeah. only an entrepreneur can fix, can fix the mess like this. Not and, a that, and, and so my thing is to people, and I've been very clear on this. I'm like, if I could change things about Donald Trump, would I? Yes, for sure. He's not perfect but it's not my job. I mean, I can't change them or whatever. I am not saying that Donald Trump would be a good leader for the next 50 years, but I do think that where our country was in the chaos, brokenness, and messiness of a mess that it was, the only person that could have fixed it is Donald Trump of the candidates that we had running. So if yeah, a Democrat yeah. gets in there next and wants to fix all the social issues in the way that they do it, am I going to respect that person the same way that I respected Trump? Yes, because they are my president, right? I don't care who you are. If you're the president, I'm going to respect That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I don't like is that when people are like, you got to show some respect, man. Like, like, oh, he said this. I'm like, dude, you, what your your own mom never said anything you you don't you you, you don't disagree it's yeah. like dude you got to show some like respect you know what i'm saying and then it's like uh, dude i i agree with what you're saying man it's it's <laughs> i guess cuz i grew up in the east coast and to me it's like it's such a melting pot over there bro i spent so much time in new york and that's where that's where president trump's from like new york right yeah it's such a melting pot dude like a real new yorker it's really hard for you to actually be a real racist like we actually talk differently in the east coast because we're such a melting pot you know, we're very, I don't know how people are like maybe outside, but we're very like, you know, comfortable with other races because it's all around us. So well, maybe we talk a little differently. I don't know. I, I, and I don't want, and for the sake of time, because we do have to wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, 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 a heavy topic like right before. No, I'll, I'll, end, I'll end with this though. I don't want to, I don't want to go into the race topic per se. I'm, do I think Donald Trump's a racist or whatever and things like that? I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say Joe Rogan said, you know, did a podcast and I'm going to refer back to this because I learned a lot from it too. Think back to where you were four years ago in your life, eight years ago in your life, 12 years ago in your life. Dude, I used to not like gay people. I used to think gay people were weird and bad, but like I have tons of gay friends now. And like people might hate on me and be like, oh my gosh, Josh is gayophobic. No, what are you talking about? Like I, I got no problem with gay people, right? But at one point in my life, like do I fundamentally from a, my own perspective of religion disagree with them? Yeah, but they're still human, right? Back when I was 16, 17, and I respect, old, and I just want to say that I respect the fact that you make, you know, you don't sugarcoat your beliefs that you say what you believe in unapologetically. Yeah, and I believe that's what people should and do. People too. should respect that too, I think. All I'm saying is, is that I think that I probably said some stupid comment about, you know, something about that too when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. Trump probably said some stupid thing 10 <laughs> years ago about it. But, the, and I'm going to end with this because I got to wrap up. Yeah. Is he said, is uh, we, didn't, we didn't elect Donald Trump to be an angel. We elect Donald Trump to get some stuff done. I firmly expected him to piss some people off. He's ticked me off on some of the things that he's done. But at the same time, I go, you know what? You're getting the majority of the things right. I'll, I'll elect another president to fix the, thing, to fix the things that I don't like about you. So anyway, man, I super appreciate your time coming on here. Um, real quick, just some rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap up. Um, are you ready for rapid fire? Good? I guess so, yes. <laughs> All right, rapid fire questions, fine. What's your favorite airline to fly? JetBlue Virgin America. JetBlue Virgin America. Uh, favorite thing to eat, like favorite meal? Cheap meal, lasagna. Lasagna. Uh, person that has impacted you the most in your life? Um, it's got to be. It's got to be God. God. Last question. I ask this person, or this question, to every single person that comes on the podcast and everybody I've ever interviewed. You're at the end of your life. Everything that you've done, every person that you've done, everything is gone. Your businesses, your money, your influence, everything is gone. You're on your deathbed. However, every single person that you've ever touched and influenced, either directly or indirectly, you get to leave with one final message. What is that message? Give, 
my number one secret in life has never been anything more than just to give all I can. And it is the, you, you, you'll get the highest ROI of your life. Just, just keep giving whatever you can, whether it's time, money, uh, or just your attention or just, or just some love, just keep giving. And you just honestly cannot lose. I love that. I love that. Guys, this has been Akbar. Great interview, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are the ones that can change the world. Akbar, really quick, where can they find you more, more about you? Uh, AkbarSheik.com. AkbarSheik.com. Guys, go check him out. Also, he has a, a Facebook group called Seven Figure Society. Um, check that one out there as well. We'll link it down in the description, his website and his group. Thank you all so much. I love you all, and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating, and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback feedback, your ideas, and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh Forty or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.